What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Charles Globitz. He joins me via Skype from his home in Tijuana. He and I have been showing our artwork in some of the same venues and same art circles for around a decade now. And uh, we actually just met last year at Comic-Con. Um, we talk about that a little bit. Uh, we also talk about iTunes validation, the lemon bars from Joint Healing, Banana Trees, the Muse Gallery, Tijuana, City College, Spain, Illustration, Donkey Boy, Anger, The Big Bang, Mexican Internets, Sponsored Drug Dealers, Violence, Pat Tillman, and Psychedelics. Um, as always, make sure you go check out the website, MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on the blog and get all the information about Charles and all of the uh, upcoming events and links and websites and Twitters and all that interesting stuff. Um, my show is going to be up in uh, nine days. Once this is posted, it'll be about nine days. And my, my show at the Subtext Gallery on May 20th will be live. I'm super excited. I got all the work done pretty much. I got two more pieces that I'm working on for that and I'll be ready. I'll be working on installation all next week. So I might not release a podcast for a week. There may be a little lull in the podcast, but then I'll be back with um, Greg Crayola Simpkins um, interview in a couple weeks. So that's going to be awesome. Go on the blog, donate to the podcast if you're enjoying what you hear. Any donations to the podcast are, are welcomed and much appreciated. You can get the links to PayPal through the, through the blog and all that jazz. So, with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Charles Globitz. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another live episode of the Live Free Podcast. Um, let's give Charles a call here. Hey, what's up, Mike? What's up, Charles? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Can you give me a, a, a minute or two? I'm going to change uh, places. Yeah, no problem. Okay. All right. Here's Charles now. What's up, Charles? Let's hope for the best this time. Okay. How, how, how's that? Is that cool? I think we sound good. Okay. All right. Let me set. Me, I'm gonna put you back in picture in picture. So you you can't see me, but um, the uStream can see me. Okay. So if I uh, uStream you, <laughs> I can see you. Yeah, which will also be like uh, it's like a 30 second delay. Okay. As well, so it'll be totally weird. But if you feel like looking at me, you're more than welcome to. Uh, sure, you're not that bad. <laughs> you're not that bad looking. Are you going to put your face on the screen? Uh, your painting's up there now. It looks pretty cool, too. I can put my, my, my actual mug on it. My face. Yeah, you should want to stream that? Yeah, you, you should, should do that. Yeah. yeah? You can switch back and forth, too, if you felt like it. There it is. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? Thanks for uh, taking the time to do the show. Uh, no problem. Sorry for uh, the late reply and uh, getting back to you. I knew I, would, I knew I would get you on sooner or later. Let me. I uh, we had talked, I think like around my fifth episode or sixth episode, 
And now you're uh, you're episode number forty nine. Wow. Yeah, I've been I, I, when you were posting them on uh, Facebook, I was checking them out. I still I still try to post them up there. I'm a, I kind of lag at, at posting the actual MP3s up there. I just try to post the links to the iTunes to try to make people go over there and listen. Uh huh. Because then it boosts up the iTunes numbers. Okay, that's cool. And uh-huh. I get I get some false sense of uh, of achievement by like having like a ranking number on something official like iTunes, which is totally silly. But I do it anyway. That's cool. Uh, well, as as soon as this is done, give me the. Uh, I don't have your address. iTunes. If you just search my name in the, if you search Mike Maxwell in the iTunes store, or Live Free Podcast, uh-huh. here's one of the issues. I chose the name Live Free Podcast, uh-huh. not really thinking that most of the podcasts on iTunes are free, and a good portion of them are recorded live. Uh-huh. So using live and free is is which. You know, it, my podcast is live free, but if you just take the word, it could be live, obviously. And use those as tags. It's not the best, like, catchphrases to get people to find the website or to find the actual podcast, you know. But if you search Mike Maxwell, it pops up in the iTunes store. Okay. Make it happen. And I'll let me preface this. I usually, most of the podcasts I do before noon, I feel like that's my, like, my black belt time. And I, I ate a really strong edible from the weed shop, uh, like right before dinner. And after I ate it, I, I was like, shit, should I, I, I reconsidered it, but I'm, I'm just going to fucking flow with it. I don't care. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of, uh, lighting up too, just in case I'd be uh, extra more trippy. And, but uh, I chose not to because my wife uh, made me work in the garden today. Uh-huh. And uh, she made me build a deck. She made me pull out stuff. So we pulled those out, and then we donated them to a, a garden here in, in uh, Tijuana, and then she, uh, built a deck. So I'm, 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 just, I'm just a piece of crap right now. Oh, no, you're beat up. You kind of, oh, yeah, you're, yeah. when the dog barked, Skype likes to cut out, like, really loud sounds. So when the dog barked, it, it cut your sound out. So... We heard you were in the garden, and I'm assuming that you you planted something and harvested something and gave it away. Is that what you said? Uh, it was. It's well. We we moved. We rent this house, and we moved here, and they had these really ugly uh, banana trees. You know, just you know, banana trees, banana yeah. palm trees, banana trees, uh-huh. and you know they weren't doing anything. So we started building a little uh, herb garden and whatnot, and they were in the way, so we just took them out. Those things get serious too. They're like the like super stock the big bamboo trees or big banana bamboo looking fuckers well we were watering them for a couple days we got the dirt really really uh loose and uh uh and just loose loose and wet so it was pretty easy but it was you know hell i'm not used to doing any uh uh, manual work in a long time so yeah it's good for you right (laughs) it is yeah It's it's good feeling like crap the, it, what it makes you change your your mental changes too, though, right? Not just your body feelings, but like the way you feel inside your head. Like, do you feel like uh, some different sort of brain chemicals happening? Oh, definitely. I think uh, uh, you begin to 
be more like a, you know a different kind of astronaut because your body your 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 brain is responding differently to uh, or, or or compensating for what your body is feeling so it, it just gets more trippy and then you're tired but you're not really sleepy and your mind is tired because it was really focused and everything becomes a little hazy but it's it's a good thing it's like uh just you know tripping uh, naturally yeah it's very strange i uh i started understanding some of those sensations when i started running a couple years ago and just getting that runner's high, like understanding what that actually meant and really experiencing what it is. And then I just started training jujitsu and kickboxing. Really? Yeah, and that's a whole nother a whole nother level. Like I've never experienced I've never experienced expending that much energy in one hour. You know what I mean? It's insane. It, it it's a it changes it changes you as a person, really. Natural uh, ditratretamine, that, that uh, nice little brain juice that are uh, uh, part of the brain that's back here. What's it called? Uh, oh, hell. I just brain farted. I no, know. I, I won't oh. know the answer anyway. You can Google it really fast if you want to. Uh, let's, uh, let's introduce you to the people that are watching live, Mr. Charles Globitz, ladies and gentlemen. They're clapping right now for you. Hey, how are you guys? Um, you and I just uh, recently met, actually, but we've shown our, our work together for over a decade or in some of the same venues and just hadn't crossed paths until last year, I guess, the end of last year. It was, uh, I think, when it was 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when uh, a bunch of... Uh, Artists in San Diego started showing together, starting putting up shows, and, and uh, specifically uh, uh, Tim, Tim McCormick, and Joshua Cross at that space at what was I think? Uh, it was a Muse, or was it called a Muse? I'm making that up. No, it was. It was, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I uh, you showed afterwards or before. I think you showed with uh, Blaine Fontana and what other shows? I'm not really sure. I mean, it's 10 years ago, but it was like uh, when something was actually happening in San Diego, it's like, that was really cool. And then I started seeing your work. Uh, I think I saw it in Juxtapose or saw you blogging at the Juxtapose site or their old site. Uh, and I just immediately became a fan. And then Hell, you know, was, I was kind of uh, happy the, to know, even though I didn't, I didn't know you that you lived in San Diego or in, in, in the area, because nobody lives in San Diego. Because whoever lives in San Diego, it makes it big, leaves San Diego. San Diego is kind of San Diego. That's I've been I've been talking about it lately. Like now more than ever, I could see myself getting up and bouncing. I'm not going to, but like I could. I could easily see it happening given a couple if, if a couple circumstances fell into place, you know. If it was a, it could happen. I could bounce. Well, I bounced San Diego for uh, Tijuana. And you're coming to us uh, live from TJ, TJ, right? Yeah, I'm in uh, uh, Playas of Tijuana, uh, live and uncensored from uh, Mexico. 
and there there hasn't been any gunshots. No gunshots yet. There, that's that's something I want to talk to you about, but maybe a little bit later. Maybe we can get to that. Um, but you and I eventually connected. We connected at Comic Con actually last Comic-Con, yeah. last year. So the Comic Con is coming up. So it was less than a year ago we met in person and talked about doing uh, uh, talking at your class. So you you uh, you teach at City College. What's well, up? I'm, I'm, I was teaching at City College. Oh, excuse uh, me. Yeah, the, 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 the semester we were there, which was uh, fall, was my last semester. I got this opportunity to go and uh, do some really easy commercial work in Spain for uh, some pretty good money, and, and I just bailed. I oh. kept taking it. So I just got back like a month ago, and uh, they were pretty pissed at school. I had been teaching 10 years, but I always was promised or being promised that they were going to open the illustration department and I was going to be the, I guess the department chair and whatnot. But uh, around that time, we have uh, bad uh, economics in the state of California. So that I just had to look out for, uh, for, my, for myself and for my family. What, uh, what was the trip to Spain like? Had you been there before? I had been there in, in 2005. Uh, it was uh, 2005. Well, every year in, in in Spain they have this art art fair called Arco, and each year they invite a uh, country to be showcased. So in 2005, Mexico was invited, and they had uh, a show specifically for artists from uh, Tijuana, and I showed in, in Spain, and then that's where I met my friend. Who I'm currently working with, uh, doing this project for uh, this commercial project for for this company down there. So you've been doing commercial stuff for for a long time, right? Well, uh, 12, 13 years as a graphic designer, uh, illustrator. But I think the same time that I'm doing commercial work, I've been doing uh, my my own work. It's what makes me happy. But you know, it, it just it's haven't gotten over that hump where uh, the personal work uh, is enough for me to leave the commercial work in order to make it It's like half and half. It's been half and half for a long time. Yeah. And I think that was something we, we've talked about before, like trying to find that happy medium with doing commercial work and having it be as rewarding as doing the fine art, like trying to figure out a way to make the process be somewhat similar. Because I've talked about it on the podcast before, like sometimes doing commercial work, it turns into something different. Like all of a sudden the, this new set of rules and, and boundaries get placed on this thing that usually you have complete control of. And of course, I could be projecting my need for control in making things, which is very possible. But um, I know that I, I find a sort of a disconnect from having a, an art director say, we need this to look like this. Yeah, and I think it's a different uh, type of mind- mindset. I think I struggled for the first five or six years uh, trying to combine my personal work with my illustration work for whatever reason. And then I just work really hard to try to separate them. And now I kind of have like two different ways of working, which is my commercial work, 
which is more illustrative. Uh, and then my personal work, obviously it's, it's illustrative, but it, it's, it comes from a different place. It doesn't come from, I guess, illustration work could be speaking of small ideas, ideas, uh, concepts such as, um, you know, things that make uh, our world go around and, and commercially and whatnot and so forth. And I think in the personal work, I'm just trying to uh, dive into, uh, I guess, a friend of mine said, your work is very existential. So I guess there are these ideas of existential, can't even spit that out, existentialism uh, about uh, why we're here. And then it gets really tricky. Then it becomes kind of like a coast-to-coast -coast, uh, AM uh, kind of uh, idea of, uh, I guess, everything. It becomes like a, a, a rule of a law of everything goes, everything is a possibility. Everything that is a mythology is real. Uh, it's, it's even more real when we believe into it. And so like when I separated the commercial work and start stop giving a fuck about being told what to do and what not to do and stop selling my personal work as commercial work, I found that happy place. I could just focus on the two things separately. Uh, might be kind of maybe a little schizophrenic, but it, uh, it it just works much more easier. It's just a different mindset. It's like, so how much money are you going to pay me? I'll please you. So it is, uh, this is what I'm doing for myself. Yeah, and that's... that's I've found that like pricing now is dependent upon how easy the people are to work with. If you're a pain in the ass to work with, I'm going to charge you 500 times more than what I would charge somebody who's really easy to work with. Oh, I like that. I, I'm always like, well, if you want to really art direct the hell out of me, you got to pay me more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's real. It's like, you, okay, pay me more because I got to put up with your shit. Well, speaking of something not art directed, you you just put out a new comic, a new book, right? Is it a book, comic? I have, I know, I got, I think, the issue before. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like a, a, a it's it's a comic book, graphic novel. Uh, one thing that uh, in the personal work, I when I started, I started telling this story story of, of these characters, these archetypes, and. Uh, they started, you know, they, they grew a life of their own and, and they started telling their stories. And then it became really uh, cosmic and quantic when each character would die and then would be uh, rebirthed or reincarnated in a different type of character. And then I was painting these characters for uh, five or six years. And I think in 2005 or six, they were telling the story of El Niño Burro, Donkey boy he uh tijuana donkey suit and he was kind of like this protagonist that was kind of like uh you know the punk the rebel the non-conformist the anti-consumerist those more those were more my uh more punk rock days that was anti-everything and he would represent all these ideals but a funny thing happened was uh and you know and he would be like the lead to these stories every time would have a show it would expand on this narrative but he became kind of like a whore, or, or, or I whored him out because he became like my top seller and people wanted to uh, commission me to him, you know, flipping the men off and whatnot and this or that. And I was doing pretty good until one dude, who I guess he had a lot of money, and he was like, oh, 
I want you to paint a picture of him uh, skiing down this uh, cabin I just bought for a million dollars in Tahoe. And that's my way of uh, giving the finger to the man and kind of like realize he was kind of, I just made him into a whore. <laughs> right? So it's like all the ideals that I was trying to, uh, that made him him, I guess, were completely sold out. So I had a show in LA with uh, Tim McCormick, Scott Saw, and Joshua Krause at Gallery 1988. And I did the story. I did a linear story, and I killed him off. And when he died, he reincarnated in nature. And then I was like, "Fuck, uh, no more story." One character was uh, the, called the gardener. Just this uh, skinny guy with a huge Olmec uh, uh, head with a uh, wrestling mask on, and then the, the other guy was. Uh, Capitalist King, which was uh, kind of like a Mickey Mouse skull and a skinny guy, and these two guys would fight for, you know, the control of uh, <coughs> capitalism, conquest, uh, exploitation, and whatnot. And then at that, at that time, I was pretty fucking angry, right? Yes, yeah. I guess because I was painting this shit, and it was angry shit, and I was angry. Yeah. And then uh, kind of figured out that they weren't opposites, right? They were. Uh, uh, compliments and I was beginning to read a lot of stuff into quantum physics and had seen this uh, talk by Deepak Chopra and Grant Morrison at Comic Con in 2005 and it blew my fucking mind and I started reading more and more and kind of figured out you know the theories of where the Big Bang came from and, and there was just two, two layers coming together and coming together that they melded into one into the infinite space of, uh, of, of uh, some atomic, uh, uh, some atomic dimension until it, they touched each other and they expanded. So the whole world I had been painting for six years just exploded and big bang. When it like shit, I can do anything I want now. I want to be angry anymore, right? I have my daughter. My first daughter was four years old. My uh, my wife and I were waiting for a second daughter, and I was like, we don't have to live being angry. So it kind of changed the whole story, and then I birthed this new character. It was called uh, Indigo Child. Uh, then I was started getting into this new age uh, ideas of a uh, new cosmic uh, race of uh, children, um, and it just became a fucking story. And that that book you have is like uh, it's like a third third chapter from uh, the beginning of that. And so it's it's a it's an ongoing series from there. That's interesting because I I remember that character running around, like and having that that cuteness to it. And it's funny that it told it it reminds you of of Tijuana for anyone that's ever been there. Like you don't even have to like you can just catch a glance of it. And that you had mentioned you're you're tuning in or being filmed here live from Tijuana, and. Recently in the news, there's been a lot of crazy shit going on with with U.S.-Mexico relations. And so, for even like a person like me, who I've been going to Tijuana since I was like 15, younger than that with my parents, but like I used to skip school and jump on the trolley and go hang out in Tijuana, right? And now even me, I, I don't want to go down there. Is it total insanity? It's total insanity being bought by the media. I mean, uh, check it out this way. I went to Spain, 
and everyone was fucking scared that it was from Tijuana. And the sec and the sec my second day there, they had this documentary, and how. Uh, I hope he's still there. He might be gone. No, exactly. You're cutting in and out, my friend. Oh, here we go again. You there? Yeah, sorry about that. Mexican internet. That's so funny that you say that. Go ahead and go ahead and you can turn your video off. Okay. And we'll leave your that way we'll leave your painting up there. Your painting is the icon. That way it might I think the video slows it down a little bit. Okay, that's cool. Because we know what you look like now. Uh, yeah, ugly. <laughs> the I had a Skinner on the show just recently, and he was uh, he said he had uh, he had uh, hijacked the internets from somewhere and said that they were Mexican internets. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you just Mexican you just said internets. you have Mexican internets too. It sounds. Uh... It sounds like it doesn't run at full capacity, and if it does, it does for a couple of minutes, and then it's gone, and it comes back whenever it wants. That's I was kind of giving him the business about his internet, and I, he felt insecure about it a little bit. <laughs> I told him there's no need. There's no need to feel insecure about your internet. You you have no choices in it. But um, yeah, I wanted to. You cut out for a good portion of what you were saying there, unfortunately. Well, I was I was saying I was back in, in I was in Spain. Months ago, I was freaked out about Tijuana, and it's like I've been living here for 11 years. My wife's been here for 20, and shit, we didn't, you know, if, I mean, obviously, before we got married, we were uh, all we did was party, all we did was hang out on the streets, all we did was party till late night, walk in the streets. Nothing has ever gone down. Uh, now, Obviously, older with uh, uh, two girls, we don't party as much, but we still, uh, you know, hang out in the streets, and nothing has ever gone down. So, I think it's like really secluded kind of thing. It's like uh, it's a gang war. It's a gang war for control of the border. It's a gang war to see who, you know, crosses all the drugs uh, for everybody in California who gets high and the shit they cross. Uh, you know, it's the crazy thing about the uh, uh, demand supply, and, and these fuckers are fighting for uh, for the control of the border. The funny thing is, it's like, and this is my theory, and there's, you know, based on other guys' theories, but it's like the government, the Mexican government, sponsors uh, like their uh, their uh, their their drug dealers. So like each ruling party as like a sponsor of drug dealer, right? And uh, I think there's this battle between uh, Tango and Baja and Tijuana, the Cancron uh, was uh, governor and uh, he used, he's from the PRI. My theory is he put in this different, uh, or sponsored the different, different type of drug dealers then he lost, and then the PAN won, and then now, now they're sponsoring their drug dealers, and they're just cleaning house. Right? So uh, it's pretty crazy, but shit happens only like in the bad neighborhoods where, where they have uh, the drug deals run down. And so it's just a shift. <clears throat> it's a power shift, yeah. Yeah. And then back and forth. So it looks like it's a it looks like it's just the continued violence over and over again. 
but it keeps just shifting back with the different presidential elections. It's kind of funny. It's not really that different in the United States. It's just a little more severe. Yeah, I think it's it's more severe because uh, you know these guys like to uh, I don't know. It's you know it's a, it's part of a cult the culture now. I mean, some people are really into the whole. Uh, uh, I, this kind of sounds pretty funny, but it reminds me back in the nineties when the culture in the states was uh, guns, guns and bitches, right? Here it's like guns and uh, boots, right? guns and big trucks, guns and cowboy hats, guns and oh, narco music, instead of being a rap. So it's kind of like the same crap that was happening up there is happening here. But I think just you know Mexicans can get a little bit more uh, more violent, maybe due to its culture, uh, I guess. You know, they cook people here in uh, uh, tubes of acid, in uh, uh, germs of acid. Found uh, the pozolero in uh, Ensenada a couple, I guess, a year ago, and, and this guy, would they would take all the bodies that people would, they would uh, execute, and he would put them in germs of acid, and they would call him the pozolero. It's fucking crazy. What I what does it take for human beings to get to that like disconnected level? And it it seems like we see that in like the worst of societies, in like the most third world, for lack of a better term, type environments. That just the the devastation that you see all all the time around you just creates a numbness, right? I, I think it creates a numbness, but I think they're all chasing the same thing. They're chasing cash. I think, you know, uh, we don't experience it. We don't experience it here in the states. I would say say states because I'm not too far away from uh, from uh, the, the good old U.S. But uh, it's the same idea of going into a war for oil. I mean, it's you know these guys are for uh, uh, a drug path, a drug mule to get the shit uh, across to. The people, it, you, I mean, you can make a, a really odd parallel drugs and uh, gasoline is kind of the same thing, right? It's this, these two wars and, and this, this fake assassination of uh, this non-existent person. Yeah, that's something we could, we could maybe talk about. I've been um, having arguments and debates on the interwebs uh, for the last week and a half, and it's actually caused me a lot of stress and like unnecessary emotions and like mental energies like focused on something that I don't need to focus on <laughs> but uh, I, I thought it was hilarious watching the news and watching all these morons celebrate the death of this is where it gets like really crazy where you know, talking about the numbness when you know they kill somebody and people celebrate like that's a good thing like killing now is a good thing because he killed other people, and the best, you know, this whole Christian idea of eye for an eye—it's like it's pretty nutty. It's pretty, pretty out there. It's it's and, and that and I guess all this celebration and this information and somebody we don't know if he's fucking dead or that does even really exist to begin with, right? Remember back a couple of years, they had these reports that. Uh, the first photos of uh, Osama bin Laden was uh, 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 like a photo collage of different uh, uh, Ara uh, Arabian, Arabic, Islamic people. Yeah, and, and you know, you know what? They they just did another one of those type of like like lineup guests 
guess the o Osama. And uh, look, I almost had to check myself there to say Osama instead of Obama. But they would like line up a bunch. Oh, I think I lost him again. See, he's trying to reconnect. Let's see, maybe I should hang up. Oh, he did it. What's up, buddy? What's up? I think that's pretty funny that uh, somebody, somebody probably hacked your computer and every time you're about to talk to something, they shut us down or something. I know, by saying Osama and Obama in the same sentence, it just shuts down the system. <laughs> that's probably the, the crash hack. But uh, uh, tell me, uh, what's your feelings? I, I know that you're pretty uh, extreme in your belief. And I guess I used the, the word extreme, but extreme in your beliefs that you don't believe a lot of this shit. Yeah, well, I try not to believe anything at all. Like, I just try to keep ideas, really. Uh, but, you know, I have a hard time believing a group of people who have lied to us continuously over and over again. And what's really funny, I just, I just posted up a link to the uh, Bill Maher show that had Pat Tillman's brother on it and I guess there's a documentary that came out about him and he talks about how quickly the the military covered up the the fuck-ups whatever happened to that kid or that man really because everybody else was a kid around him but uh, whatever happened to him they ended up like burning his uniform they burnt his uh, his journal his, they got rid of his weapon. They did a whole bunch of, like, just removing evidence. And whenever I, I see somebody removing evidence without, like, an independent inspection of how things should go, like, just telling me something or something, I, I typically don't believe it. Like, I, and, you know, and then I said before in actually the last podcast, I think, that, like, I don't even know that the man existed because I've, I'm not in Afghanistan. I didn't burst into that house. I didn't I didn't see any of this happen. So I don't know if it did or didn't. And if I'm just gonna believe a group of people that continually lie, then I, I feel like I'm kinda shooting myself in the foot. There's no body, there's no photos. I remember like that when they uh off the uh, Che Guevara. They made sure to take a lot of photos of his dead ass. Same with Saddam there was a video leak and that and that's another creepy thing about like the, what people consider justice because that that's one of the things that scared me oh he's gone again mexican internets probably sounds racist sorry yo buddy uh, damn mexican internet i'm blaming it on the white house okay i i'll, I'll do the same it's not mexico's fault I'm changing my opinion. So, so you were you were you were saying, uh, uh, what were you saying? I just blanked out right there because I was pissed off at the computer. Um, mostly that I don't believe people who lie to me, and then uh, removing evidence. I kind of forget. Oh yeah, no, yeah, the idea of justice, the idea. Of oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in you know, you were talking about people like celebrating and seeing how crazy it is. But like, if you look at the man, I'm, and I don't want to justify uh, any type of criminal activity. 
But if you look at the man's FBI file or like the wanted poster, it doesn't even say anything about September 11th. It talks about Tanzania, something he did there, and then I think the USS Cole was involved in the bombing. And then there's just like, etc., like possibly involved in other things. So like you have, so you, you just see stuff like that, and then it's like everybody's mad about 9/11, and there, there isn't actually even much of a case besides these weird videos that seem to not make sense. And you know, again, I don't know either way, but I know a bunch of people have died, regardless, over the last ten years for no reason, for, on both our soil and on foreign soil. And either way, it's some bullshit. And it seems like to to blame it all on this one like ghost-like figure is silly. And not I I talked about before. Uh, I think uh, maybe just on Facebook, but uh, Benzinir Bhutto, who was the president of Pakistan before she was executed, she was in a, an interview saying that he was murdered in like. 2002 or something and then there's a lot of people who say that he was already like dying from from liver diseases like around that same time uh-huh. I remember that and then it's like dude straight worked for the CIA I was gonna I was just gonna say that they work they do work for the CIA the guy was trained by daddy Bush uh, back when he was the one of the uh, directors of uh, of the CIA also the Bush family and the uh, Bin Laden family have done business together since the 1960s. And, that, and uh, that's what's Bin creepy, too, about the DNA situation. Like, they're like, oh, well, we got his son's DNA and his wife's DNA. And what the fuck? Where are you over there scraping fucking people's mouths and shit? Just because you say you got a piece of paper, like, I could print out a DNA file for you in probably 10 minutes. And just say it's somebody's. Who's gonna go match it up? It's impossible. There's no, uh, no, no real skins. No skin cells are gone already. It's so creepy, man. And what sticks like, me out is is like the capacity for people to, uh, like you know, like this is an actual fact. The guy was a CIA agent. How come the media doesn't like say we were screwed over by one of ours? We trained this motherfucker. And if, so if, it, if it was actually him, he came over and fucked us over. How come, you know, the, that never comes out in the, in the media? How come we, we you know, focus on uh, religion, focus on uh, creed, on uh, nationality, uh, to, you know, to, like, generate this case against... Uh, and it's not even one dude. It sounds to me, when I look at the media, it's like a case against a whole fucking nation. Well, not only that, but whenever things like this, like big weird shit happens like this that you know is going to be like a media buzz for a long time, you got to kind of look at like the like the sixth page of the newspaper to see what's really going on sometimes. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the day before that, Gaddafi's son was killed, which I think has some sort of Geneva Convention uh, implications because I don't think he was any part of a mil- the militant aspect of it. Now, I could be totally wrong. I don't have the full story, but I know that he was killed the, the day before. That's Saturday, 
Possibly killed, that Friday. Yeah, they killed him and two of his uh, uh, kids, I think. It was... Uh, at, they aimed at one of uh, Qaddafi's residences. He was in the house, but they missed him because he was another part of the house. But they off his, his kid, maybe his wife, but, but I think it's his son and his uh, Qaddafi's nieces or, or nephews or whatever. So... You know, now that you bring that up, I remember like the, the, the day uh, September 11th happened. Uh, the news a day before, which was uh, September uh, 10, I guess. Uh, that's when the stock market was had hit the lowest low in since the depression. And then all of a sudden we had uh, what happened uh, the next day, which is, you know, it was pretty eerie because I remember I was uh, sleeping I was still living in the North Park, uh, and I had this dream that uh, like some evil dude was in the kitchen, and he wanted to talk to me, and, and he wanted to tell me something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I come in, and he tells me that some shit was going to go down, and then I would say, I wake up the next day, it's in the morning, and watch the, uh, the airplanes crash into the World Trade Centers. But a day before, and nobody remembers this, because, you know, the news on... September 11th was so such huge impact visually, uh, the footage, the I mean the shit that happened. But a day before, the stock market was as low as it has ever been recorded since the depression. Yeah, so. it's, it's it's real easy for you know for things to change. I mean that those two things are are extremes, obviously, but. Um, what also is interesting too is that, uh, in terms of timing, they just today. I think this morning, they to they had uh, the drone missiles or the drone planes uh, shot a bunch of missiles and killed fifteen people in Pakistan, in some like in route somewhere. So like they killed a large group of people, and that's like you know that. Isn't that an act of war? Well, that compromises an act of war, but I, but okay, they killed fifteen people. Do you just think they randomly? It doesn't sound like you know. You think of the U.S. military of, of it being a, a precise. Uh-huh, action. Yeah. that's not true. Yeah, it's not a precise me- uh, mechanical thing. But uh, should they shouldn't fuck with pa- Pakistan because they got missiles and you know they're kind of nutty. Sorry. To all your uh, Pakistanian uh, friends out there, or my friends, but uh, they're pretty crazy. <laughs> and it goes pretty much un sort of unwavered in the in the public sphere of like not paying attention because there, there's this other thing. Like we got the guy, the whole guy. Now everything is great. Well, and, and imagine if somebody sent a missile missile here in the states and killed fifteen people. Imagine the shit that wouldn't wouldn't go down. But since it happens in like an overseas in some different place to uh, people we've deemed uh, to be unworthy of being Westerners or, or you know uh, whatever uh, perception we have the media has created of them, we don't care. But I, I bet you if it happened here. You would get all the uh, rednecks uh, running around in their uh, four-wheel drives, shooting guns, wanting some uh, uh, extract some justice. Well, I think that that's sort of 
what we see, like the and and we're seeing it in large groups of people. And one of the debates I had was that, like, that we shouldn't be celebrating the killing of somebody. And somebody is really mad that I was unable to accept that some people were happy about it. Like that I, I wasn't more understanding of people's joy. Understanding of people's joy. That reminds me of that movie Happiness where, you know, everything, every people's happiness is really fucked up. And then you could say the same thing for the guys joys riding those airplanes into the buildings. Right? Right. Right. But you, you know, make that argument to somebody who's a red-blooded American and that's a fist fight. Well, that kind of brings up another thing that I want to talk about. The other issue that I have been debating on the internet was uh, racism, which happened yesterday. And which, timingly, was on Cinco de Mayo. And so a friend of mine reposted a, uh, I guess, a comedian's bit but, you know, like a paragraph of it. So basically out of, completely out of context from whatever the rest of the comedy set was. And I'm not exactly sure of the exact reference, but um, it was a whole thing. But like the, like the, the same idea, like I was, I was discussing how like the eye for an eye or the idea that they did something so I have to do something is is like juvenile there's some sort of childish mentality about it and the it's almost like people don't realize that that just is a continuous cycle oh that it's like you know no uh, uh you're it no you're it no you're it no you're it and they keep going back and forth back and forth and it's endless it's endless until somebody actually uh office you know kills somebody else and there's no more tagging to go around until they go find somebody else to tag and then start another endless stupid cycle. But see, isn't that, that's religion based. And you well, know, it's religion based and it's, this is how I, I, I trip out on religion. It's religion based on a religion that was created 3,000 and someone years ago in the desert, not here, in a different country, different geographical, uh, sociopolitical structures. And it's implemented to the people who now live here, which makes no fucking sense because we didn't grow up in the desert. We didn't have uh, the sun as a god, right? Well, right. it depends on, on, on region, I guess. Or but, the spelling, which if you decide to use a U or an O. Exactly. And it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, here in Mexico, we have uh, uh, for uh, our shitty country. And Oh, man, Spaniards. Uh, and, you know, we have a uh, Catholic religion, which is, oh, man, it's just so bad. It's the whole idea of, you know, coming into uh, uh, a country, uh, do conquest, and then begin to uh, uh, force the people to believe into their own gods and, and what and so forth. It doesn't make any sense. I can look at in, in Mexico and, and see why it's so fucked up is because its mythology is fucked up. You know, their gods, the indigenous people's gods, got screwed over by some dude carrying a cross who was who suffered for us, right? Who died for us. And that's not the mythology from here. We have a different kind of mythology. We have a different kind of uh, geography. We have a different kind of uh, 
of uh, different uh, uh, latitudes in uh, around the earth and I really don't understand how like people in the states specifically also I guess in Mexico also but they flip out over religion and then religion kind of becomes like this um, reason for racism or the, both those two things are intertwined in a really odd way yeah and you know we have so many different ways even beyond religion of ways of separating ourselves from our nationality to our skin tone to our eye color or to the clothes we wear or whatever yeah and, and that's pretty I've always, I, I've always used this example to my students because um, when I was teaching in San Diego City College, um, I kind of called that, you know, called everybody out and what was happening when September 11 happened. And I was asking for uh, for them to ask their government to go for a, a peaceful path instead of do the same thing they've always done, which is, you know, do another war. And there were people getting so emotionally uh, uh, angry at me and they were telling me to go go back to my country. I love it whenever we can see that. Go back to your country. As if, you know, everybody who was born there actually is from there. Yeah. But, well, you know, it's funny you say that too because like what I was going to say about religion, how the, the idea that Christianity has sort of caused assimilation throughout the world. We see it like in the, the pagans, you know, the, in the Greek myths and then in the conquest of Mexico, like that assimilation of Catholicism was fucking heavy. Oh, it, it, that's the reason why it still survives today. It's the reason why it's, it's like uh, it's like capitalism. Right? Capitalism gets all the these suburbs, 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 subversive subcultural uh, movements that are, you could say, anti-capitalism. But then capitalism opens its arms and embraces them, and, and begins to sell them onto the culture, and then it becomes a thing. The same thing with religion is like, okay, these guys practice doing this, so we got to open our arms and embrace that, and make that part of our religion. So that you know, it's it's, it's like a, another huge melting pot, right? But the most screwed up thing is, it's like you know, these stories don't even belong to them. Some dude was really smart. Put them all together and says, "Ah, this is the way how to control people." All their stories, their own gods in here. Take out the name, give one image, and they'll believe you and they'll follow you. Romans. Yeah, and it's happened throughout history. It's weird. So, what do we have? What What do we have to do? Do we have to have total assimilation all into just one thing? like the removal of all borders because that idea is scary to a lot of people the idea of removing borders because then they're concerned about like a, like a one world government idea like one whole power well I, I think one world government suck because we keep electing these CEOs these guys are and exploiting people uh, for them to you know be successful I think when we change our consciousness to thinking that uh, there's another form of commodity that's not money, and we begin to uh, appreciate people who have uh, are consciously more aware, not morals, because morals are useless. Moral values are ideas of, uh, that are constructed from religion and whatnot, but 
consciousness, I mean, in the idea of, of making decisions and understanding consequences and repercussions from them, I wouldn't mind a one world government. Say we put the Dalai Lama as uh, the head guy, I wouldn't mind that. But we put like Donald Trump or some other moron, and you know, that's like, okay, same old shit, I don't want that. I'd strap myself, you know, I'd strap some dynamite around myself and blow one of those fuckers up if that ever happened. <laughs> They're really going to shut us down with the Mexican internet now. <laughs> Weird guy. Well, um, it, it's interesting because you can see some of those sort of ideas shifting in your work that you're making now, I think, uh, from uh, maybe the stuff you were making 10 years ago, which is like silly to even say out loud because obviously people who work, they're going to change in 10 years. I guess nobody can stay the same for that long. But some people can, I guess. But um, you are. I'm, I'm getting ready to do the show at Subtext on May 20th. So I'm priming everybody for a little bit of psychedelia um, before you come in after me and do the show in uh, in June, right? What's the date on, on your show? Uh, 20 something something. Uh, let me Google it. I'm still working on, on stuff and I'm already. I should have. Actually, I have a flyer right here. I have a flyer. I do have a flyer. I'm going to put it on the... Well, this is... I have my flyer. So, let me show that action. Um, and then it says, you're uh, June 24th to June July 24th. 17th. And that's... I've been meaning to... The Subtext Gallery website is S-U-B-T-E-X-T-G-A-L-L-E-R-Y dot com. And you can find them on Facebook, too. But, you, yeah, you're coming in after me. What's the name of your show? Do you have a title yet? Yeah, it's called uh, The New Sphere. Say that again. Uh, N-O-O-S-P-H-E-R-E. -E, uh, New Sphere. It's uh, uh, this idea, I think, Russian philosopher came up in 1920s. Uh, he was talking about uh, man's evolution. His first evolution is the uh, geosphere, geosphere, which is how uh, the universe made the heavenly uh, bodies, planets. And then these planets generated the biosphere. And then the next phase of our evolution is uh, the noosphere, which is like, uh, I, I guess to put it in, in a, in Visual way, it's like uh, Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey when the baby gets born outside of the Earth, gains consciousness in space. So it's like us getting, uh, uh, not being reborn, but being conscious at a higher level uh, as uh, us being, I guess, cells or. Uh, uh, antennas for uh, the Earth, since it's what the, the, the geosphere birthed the biosphere for. So the new sphere is like this, uh, like another word would be a, coll uh, a collective unconscious where the psychic sphere, the mind sphere of all our ideas, all our cre creativity, all these, uh, they also call them the Arkashic, I don't know if I pronounced that, records. Yeah, I know what you're experiences saying. Experiences of humanity. Yeah, all the experiences of humanity exist. Uh -huh. 
So everything has a memory. It, it exactly it has a memory, and uh, we are its mechanisms. Uh, we are the you know the universe's part of the universe's uh, uh, form of experiencing time and space. Nice. Well, yeah, I'm definitely going to prime everybody for, for that show the following month. Let me read to you what it says on the back of the flyer. My show is called Extra Sensory. I know, um, I know. We, we, uh, we think alike, as one of our students said. Remember that? Yeah, yeah we, I, said, uh, we didn't talk about that at the beginning. I did a talk in your class when you were still uh, a faculty member, and... Uh, uh, it ended up turning into, it was an illustration class, but it turned into a three-hour discussion about the sort of the nature of reality. And that's sort of, I was right about at that shift in, in making things around there. So that was like the, the beginning, sort of, the making of this show. But the, I guess the, the, right, the sort of bio write-up thing says, uh, Spring is in the air and all of the senses are in high gear as we welcome our first solo exhibition with the artist and San Diego native Mike Maxwell. In a slight departure from his previous works, extrasensory features looser brushstrokes that are very much influenced by psychedelics and the questioning of waking reality. Compositionally, the pieces in the show are heavily layered and extremely colorful with hints of abstraction. Maxwell's exploration for this body of work revolve heavily around the constant misleadings of our own senses and lack thereof. So, like, I'm questioning all these ideas of us being misled by our own minor senses, like sight and sound and and uh, touch and hearing and those sorts of things. And that thinking about the idea that we actually have more senses, we just aren't in tune to to utilize them. And maybe that idea of a of an evolution of consciousness is is an adding of of some sort of new sense in the way, like I told, I, like I explained to people, like imagine if you stepped in dog shit and didn't have the sense of touch or the sense of smell, you wouldn't know it happened until you saw it. So, like this, there's a there's a, a minimalist amount or the minimal amount of of sensory observation that we have, and the the idea that maybe we could utilize more is is really uh, enticing to me. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, all the five senses we believe, or how we measure our reality right now, are based on Newtonian physics, which are completely blown away by quantum physics, right? And Newtonian physics is like the physics of of uh, mechanical of our reality. Quantum physics, shit, we know now that there's itsy bitsy little thingies going around that we can't see, or we don't have, you know, the, that sixth perception to, to understand how things work at that uh, sub-atomic uh, level. Sure. And there, so, there, you know, there's a group of people as well that, that subscribe to the idea that the, the taking of certain uh, hallucinogens allow you to sort of tap into some of those other senses. Oh, you believe that too? I don't know. I don't believe or disbelieve it, but I, I, I know it's a theory. I do. I, I I've uh, have uh, for the past uh, ten years been surrounded by shamanic, uh, indigenous uh, friends and people. And uh, actually, uh, when the next round comes up, I will invite you to uh, a ayahuasca little uh, meditation 
party uh, is happening around in, in Baja, and it, it shouldn't be too far away from. Uh, uh, I just gotta check the dates and with my friend, but they're bringing uh, these shamans from uh, South America, from Central America, uh, from, uh, from Peru. Peru, yeah, come up and they do the ayahuasca beverage, and you know they guide you, guide you to begin uh, to practice, to perceive, uh, taught to perceive. You know, I'm I'm hearing uh, more and more people actually going down to Peru and like ha having these experiences, sort of in like a resort environment of some type. <laughs> really? You know, maybe I'm using the term resort in a like a sort of a weird connotation, but or you know, they're going to a place like a lot of uh, Americans. And maybe I don't I don't know the environment. Maybe I'm just I'm just making. A friend of mine just came back. He went to this de detox center in uh, the Amazons, uh, Peru, where uh, there was a shaman, uh, psychologist, and a scientist. So they would go to, to this detox for six months. And he wanted to stop smoking uh, cigarettes, tobacco. Uh -huh. And uh, they would give him ayahuasca every day. And then the psychologist would talk to him about his visions and whatnot. And then the uh, scientist would measure what the shaman would give him in quantities and what would work for this or for that. And uh, he only lasted like a month because he figured out that he wasn't only just addicted to tobacco or, or nicotine, he was addicted to salt, to sugar, to uh, fat, uh, fat yeah. and oil. Yeah. yeah. And he was insane, so insane that. Uh, that he he was prohibited from eating grapefruit because you know this shit grows free in, in real life. Uh, and he went up there and he was he was telling me he was high on, on ayahuasca. He was being followed by this black panther. And when he ate that fruit, that panther just you know uh, tore him to shreds. And this all's happening in his uh, psyche and in, in his mindscape. And whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know what, he didn't stop smoking, but he has less attraction to sugar now. Yeah, that's good. Well, you know, all that stuff is all mental, like, it's funny. I think artists have a lot of time to sit down and be quiet and quiet the mind and have opportunities to deal with some of that, that, like, negativity or that own, sort of, your own ghost that owns your own skeleton in the closet that haunts people because they've done douchey shit in the past and... They feel bad about it, and they don't know how to express how they feel. So it, it manifests itself in these fears and anxieties and worries about things out in the real world. And that you know that's what we have dreams. Ayahuasca and hallucinatory experiences are just the same thing as having dreams. It's a it's a therapeutic experience, and a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of ways to to get those experiences as well. Uh, without even such an extreme, because I mean, to go to the ayahuasca extreme, I think you need to have had some hallucinogenic experience for a good period of time because it's that serious, you know. Like, at least I think for people to really be able to have an appreciation of what it is, you know. Like, I was gonna, I was gonna do my first DMT session just recently, and actually, a lot of this new work has to do with uh, my recent salvia experiences as well. Oh, I like salvia. 
which is salvia is really nice since it's so short and such a quick experience but it's it's another one of those things that's so intense we see these idiots on youtube acting a fool because it's a really really strong hallucinogen like stronger than most things that people would take oh, whatever it is that you're thinking of your mind sees it sure and you gotta have you gotta respect that shit and, and have yeah. the right mindset if you're scared and are thinking about every bad thing you've done for the past 10 years you're gonna have a fucking panther chasing you down and tearing you to shreds or you know you're gonna see those those demons are gonna manifest themselves in whatever you find to be scary Oh yeah, most definitely. I, I think the thing is, is our society has uh, uh, preconditioned us not to, you know, uh, to fix all the ghosts. Uh, face our ghosts, skeletons, or demons. You know, it's like how to evade or escape them. But I was, I was, I was going to interject a, a while ago, talking to these shamans. They were telling me that people who who had uh, schizophrenic epileptic seizures back in the day were the ones to, that were chosen to be uh, uh, to be, be next in lines as shamans so these people who already had this like this extra uh, capacity to uh, dive into different dimension was or the people people had their psyche fractured I guess if you're your schizo but they would be trained and healed, and they, they would become uh, the next sessions of shamans. And it's funny how our society, when we see people like that, we think they're fucking nutcases instead of uh, quite the opposite, that they have this capacity to uh, dive into this uh, uh, dimension that we don't have the capacity to. Or, you know, I, I sometimes break it down to as simple as a, a group of people who are, who are dreaming while awake. There isn't there to me. There isn't a whole lot of difference now. To define whatever that world is that happens while we're asleep, I'm I'm not trying to even attempt that, you know. But well, you know, it goes goes back. It, there's this idea and this like Aboriginal uh, Australian idea of uh, waking the waking, right? Which is when we're actually alive is when we're fucking dreaming, and when we're like this moment where we're conscious doesn't really exist it's another form of about dream manifestation yeah it's, a, it's however you choose to see whichever one you decide really that's well, like and then the idea that, that there's things in this world that are unnatural it's that same idea like that that dream states and waking states are different or that something is unnatural that exists in a natural world is, is funny yeah, it's like there is no such thing as unnatural. Yeah, at a quantum level, once you break it down, it's all the same fucking thing. Right now, we're just exchanging uh, particles with uh, my computer and my table. With the help right. of the motherfucking internets in the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Well, we sort of plugged your your upcoming show. Um, let's let's get your uh, your website out there and your Twitters. My computer is running hot. It is upset okay. with me right now. Let's see, uh, my website, which is, uh, hasn't been updated like in three years. I'm working on it, but I'm lagging. Do what uh, you gotta do. It's a uh, dot com, which is, uh, mrglobitz, 
and my Twitter account would be the same thing, Mr. Glavitz, M-R-G-L-A-U-B-I-T-Z. Cool. I think I squashed your .com, but you respelled it with the Twitter. And I'll do the blog with that will have all, all your links as well. And then your show is coming up June 24th. 26th, I think. June 24th at September. June 24th. Yeah, cool. I think I'll probably see you uh, uh, in a couple of days. Yeah, most of the show is in uh, two weeks. Okay. You want to turn your uh, turn your screen on? We'll do internet yeah. dap, and we'll call it a we'll call it a night. Oh, we hung up on accident. I done that then. No, I've done that before. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the other red button. Exactly. There it is. All right, brother. Thank you very much for taking the time to do the show. We can do some internet knuckle daps up here. Go. There you go. It's uh, it's gonna get there. It's, there we go. Uh, Inter Mexican internet. Come on, there. Finally. I got gotcha. you. Uh, thank you so much, man. And uh, I'll see you uh the twentieth in San Diego. Have some uh, actual psychedelic experiences. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Your work is kicking ass, and I'm looking forward to hang out. Thanks, brother. You too. I'll Good see man. you later. Okay. Take care, man. All right. Late. Cheers. All right. That was my talk with Mr. Charles Blobitz. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember when you were young? <laughs> you shone like the sun. God.